Welcome to the First Century Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilhoy, and I'm the lead pastor at First Century Church, and it is an honor to have you with us today. The goal of the podcast is simple. We want you to be encouraged, challenged, and inspired to go further in your faith than ever before. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website, firstcenturykc.com. And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. So let's get into our discussion. So last week we started a series called In the Beginning, And the idea behind this three-week series is that we see in the creation story, the very beginning of everything, God had some uh, ideas about how things should work. Since he made them, it's his rules, so he can tell us how that goes. So what we're looking at uh, are three main things about life in general uh, that God wanted to give us his wisdom about from the very beginning, and or big themes he wanted to introduce to us. And so last, last week, we talked about God expressing himself through creation, how he described himself. Because if you want to get to know someone, you kind of want to know from them, right? And so we looked at, you know, God's power and his goodness and his wisdom and all those things last week. This week, we're going to talk about the meaning of marriage. Because believe it or not, in the very beginning, in Genesis 1, 2, and into Genesis 3, we get to see how God defines marriage, how he wants it to go, how, how it should go. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to make a few disclaimers at the outset, so bear with me for just a second before we get into the real content here. But you can have a good marriage apart from faith in Christ. It can work. But God designed it in a specific way where he is involved. So it's going to be the best type of marriage if he is involved. And I think we can overcome pitfalls a lot easier if he's involved. We can work through issues and differences when he's involved. And so that's the first disclaimer. Here's the second one. Uh, Just because we're up here talking about marriage doesn't mean we have it all figured out, okay? So we're not up here saying, I mean, it's pretty close, right? Yeah. Yeah, as you can tell, we're definitely on the same page today. Uh, No, but... Um, but we'll talk about some experiences that we've had and, uh, about marriage. And we have, you know, 15 years, it seems like a long time. It's almost half of our lives. But most of you have been married longer than that. Some of you have been married longer than we've been alive, oh, which is great. Half of our lives are ages now. Okay, I was yeah. confused. Yeah, almost. We're not quite, but almost there. Um, and so th- this is not like a, hey, we have it all figured out. We're just, again, going by what Scripture says, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, about the meaning of marriage. Uh, one other disclaimer that's got two parts, and then we'll get really into it. So I'm going to try to get through this quickly. You might be here or watching or listening, and you're not married. So you're like, okay, I could just get to sit back and ignore everything. <laughs> I mean, if you don't every week, you know, that Stephen says. Um, <clears throat> but you might think, well, this doesn't apply. Well, it, it can, and it does. So let me give two parts to that. If you aren't married, but you'd like to be, this will be really helpful. Or if you're not married, but you're about to be, This will be really helpful Uh, to kind of, it's almost like prep work. You know, the more wisdom we come into a relationship with, the better it's going to be from the start, the stronger start we have. We get off the blocks quicker. uh, And so that's going to be helpful. If you're you're not married and you don't really have any intention to be, there's still benefit for you as well, because it's going to help to give you maybe wisdom when someone comes to you with an issue about their marriage. Maybe something that we say today helps you think of something that you can help them with. 
or a phrase that you can give them that's going to be like, oh, okay, let's try that, or I haven't tried, we haven't thought about that in that way. So hopefully this is helpful for everybody um, as we get into this discussion on the meaning of marriage. And um, so we're going we're gonna to talk about really three main parts that make up a biblical marriage as Genesis 1, 2, and 3 describe it, okay? So the first, and we're going to go in order of the easiest and most fun to all the way down to the hardest and the least fun, but they're all important. So the first aspect of the meaning of marriage is romance. Again, the easiest one, maybe the most fun one, but we're going to start there. So Genesis 2, uh, verses 22 through 25 says this, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib of, of the man, Adam, and he brought her to the man. Verse 23, At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woe man, woman, I'm glad you laughed, because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. I'm sorry I didn't say that it was going to be R-rated. Okay. That's PG-13. They're naked. Yeah, but I mean, what everyone takes a bath work on? or shower. It's Okay, naked. it's... It's close, all right? So you think, well, what's romantic about this besides the naked part, which I guess, you know, could be. Uh, but what we read here was a love song, right? The first thing that Adam does when Eve is created from him is he sings her a love song. I'll, I'll read it again. This one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from man. The first thing that Adam does is romance his new bride. He, he sings her this love song. So when we talk about marriage today, though, and now I'm going to let you talk. I'm just going to sit back and watch you work. So talk to us about, in a, in a biblical, God-inspired, God-directed marriage, what does romance look like? I want to say this. I expect that right before that poem mm-hmm. that Adam shared. Mm-hmm. You know when we were walking down the aisle after we got married? Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was before? I think so. Like, he was so excited because, hello, uh, he's not alone, and she's made perfectly for him. Perfect. So romance. I would say romance is simply the pursuit of your spouse. And there's that looks like many different things, but Mm -hmm. it's constantly and intentionally pursuing them romantically, um, giving of your time and those things, um, that's very romantic. You know, obviously, are there any kids in the room? Sex is part of that, which is amazing because God made that for a husband and wife. But romance and intimacy go so far beyond that. Um, Getting in, you know, the brain of your spouse is also very romantic. So having conversations where you're, you're seeking to understand them better is a, is a very romantic thing as well. That's good. I like that. Um, so the idea of, of true romance or, I guess, true love in that sense, yeah. I'm going to give you this statement and you give me your thoughts about it. Oh, okay. So it's about being known and loved. Okay. It requires both of these parts, Okay. okay. So the, the, the phrase is this, to be known but not loved is rejection. To be loved but not known is superficial. Yeah. Wow. I'll say that again, then I'll let you get your thoughts yeah. on it. To be known but not loved is rejection. Mm-hmm. 
To be loved but not known is superficial. So what does that mean to you in, in a marriage context, that phrase? Well, I am so thankful <laughs> that I can be at 15 years and not, you know, further back when, you know, you're, you're trying in those early days of your relationship to, you know, do everything right. And it doesn't take long before you face challenges as a couple. I know we, fa- we faced some, bef- you know, before we were engaged, while we were engaged, you know, and so thankful we worked through those. But as we have been married and the longer we have been married, obviously, um, you know, you know me more than anyone. And so the fact that you love me so well and you love me the way that you do, but you know everything really about me. I mean, we, we share a lot of things. Um, that is what it really means to be truly loved, yeah. um, to embrace me. It doesn't mean you like everything. You know, there's certain things I know. We actually have these conversations once in a while. Like, what things do I do that just kind of irk you? Like, just they annoy you, they drive you crazy. And I don't have anything to say. Never. I am, I'm that good, you know, just like Adam thought of Eve at first. Um, so I don't know, 16 years, maybe by then there'll be something, but that, that was wisdom. That was good. Um, but yeah, we have little quirks and things that we share with each other. Like, Hey, if you could just stop doing this or, Hey, you know, those cups that you leave sitting around or your cups always somewhere on the counter. I don't like cups on the counter. Would you do me a favor? And if you have to have your cup out, because I understand that a little. Could you put it here? You know, it's things like that. Um, where do you want it? Sorry, we're just here. Have a moment here. <laughs> here. Here. Yeah. I don't know what I want that it is. there. Okay. That's right there. Here, okay? not there. But, yeah. you know, you have those things, yeah. you know, but, but ultimately we work on those things together. And it's like you resolve one thing and then there's another thing. That's just how it is. Sure. But we love each other so much. Mm-hmm. Um, even when we drive each other crazy sometimes. That is true. Right. That's the knowing and loving. Yeah. I know you and love you and you know, uh, yeah, perfect. So as we said, this first area is the, probably the easiest or the most fun one of the three that we'll discuss. But I will say romance is not automatic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So flesh that out for that us a little me? bit. Yeah, that's well, you again. I'm letting you do all the work today. I'm just going to ask the questions and yeah, romance is definitely here. not automatic. automatic. That's yeah. why it's a pursuit, you know? Yeah. Um, you think, you know, when you first meet and in, in the early days of your relationship, you have all the butterflies and all those feelings and, oh, and you know, you're like, oh my goodness. And I feel like on our wedding day, it wasn't me standing up there. Can any of you understand that who are married in here? I didn't, I felt like it was an out of body. It was, it really was. And it's just so exciting. And, um, and what was the question? I just got so excited about well, that. The, the idea <laughs> is that, see what I have to work with, guys? I need notes. The, uh, the idea is that uh, <laughs> romance is not, not automatic. automatic. Not automatic. And you said you have to work you at it. You have to work at it. Yeah, yeah, you really do. Because it doesn't take long before you're like, oh, this is comfortable now. Or what is this? Like, why don't I have butterflies all the time now? I yeah. still get them, but... Like, it's like they take a break and then they come back. What's that? What's that about? Well, not only, not only that, but you just get busy. Yeah. Right. And so maybe you have to actually put it in on the calendar, schedule in the date night or it never will happen. Anybody can relate to that. You're just busy. You have so many things going on and you have to, and it may not seem romantic that I have to schedule my wife into my life, 
But that shows intentionality, right? It shows forethought. It shows it's ro- it is romantic in a way. Um, you know, I'll be like, hey, you're on my calendar, you know, and, and they're romantic, but... But uh, am I on yours? <laughs> you know? I don't know. I'm just saying. No, I said you're on If I'm own. on yours, you've got to be on mine. Okay. So we need to make sure... Sync our calendars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the intention and the care, even in making that a priority, that relationship, that's part of romance, and it keeps yeah. that sort of thing Absolutely. alive. So romance is the easiest one. It is work, it's a lifetime to figure out, but it's the easiest and the most fun. So let's get into one that's a little bit more difficult, and we'll probably spend most of our time on this one um, because it, it kind of goes the next step in that. So the second part of the meaning of marriage, based on the very beginning, the first marriage, is this idea of a partnership. Yeah. Marriage is a partnership, okay? So we see this here in Genesis 2. We're going to go backwards in the chapter verse 18 through verse 20 says then the lord god said it is not good for the man to be alone i will make a helper who is just right for him so the lord god formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky he brought them to the man to see what he would call them and the man chose a name for each one he gave names to all the livestock all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals but still there was no helper just right for him So the Lord God, we just read this, but let's look at it again. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. So we looked at last week when God made everything, we talked about with God's goodness that he, every, after every day of creation, right? He says, this that I've made is good. And with him being the standard of ultimate goodness, he can make that determination. But the first thing that God ever says was not good was man being alone. The first thing that God ever made that he's like, that's not good was man being alone. Amen. Yeah. Yes. And a woman. Oh, no, we're not doing that. that. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) And then came a A woman. woman. Yes. Uh, So so God made a helper. And I, I thought about this before. It's not just, it's two things here that I've noticed in this passage. It's not just that, of course, the animals aren't helpful, aren't aren't proper, I can't think, proper suitors or helpers for man. It's also what he's doing here is he's working. It's like the first job. So even in what he does for a living doesn't bring fulfillment that his partner in life brings him. And that's pretty something to hear that maybe is not always as obvious, but it's there. So it says, woman was made as a helper for man. So guys, our wives have a really difficult job because we need a lot of help, right? I mean, it's like, oh my goodness, you know? And so God really set the ladies up to, you know, so we're talking about partnership. So let's talk for a little bit about what a partnership would look like based on what we just read and, and what a biblical godly marriage looks like, a partnership, how that works and looks. I think that a partnership can be described as a team. Mm-hmm. That's really what comes to mind, is that we are on the same team with a common goal and that we work together to make sure that this is healthy and this is a good thing and um, that when things you know, get off course a little bit, that we're quick to work together to bring resolution um, so yeah, that's what I think. Let me ask Definitely with, a team. Yeah, with, with that though, so we think there's a husband and a wife, and yeah. the husband has his set of 
things he does and the wife. Is it, is it that cut and dry for just marriage is man does this, woman does this, and that's how it works? Like you take out every, the trash. Yeah. But, and then you cook in the kitchen. Well, but see, that may, some people may say, well, and no, that's the other side, right? I take naps. Oh, wait. Well, no. um, yeah. So obviously, you know, I think we identify different roles in our relationship it's funny because ours has changed so much right you know like I used to do the majority of the cooking and, and different things and, and but we just at some point had a kind of a switch in those roles our our placement on the team our position has changed many many times um throughout the game get it got it got it good um, so yeah, I think that every relationship looks very, very different, you know, and it's making your relationship work Yeah. and there's no perfect one at all. Zero perfect. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, everyone wants to put their best foot forward, but that's, it's just, you're seeing someone else's highlight reel, you know, usually when people are on public, like we all struggle with stuff and it's getting through those struggles that really matters. And those things actually can be really beneficial to your relationship, right? Um, if you are a partnership, then struggles make you stronger. Your challenges make you stronger. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I, I have a, a verse I want to read. So we're going to also bring in Ephesians five, and this is what I would call a problem verse for this idea of a partnership. Um, so I'm just going to read this. Okay. This is Ephesians 5, 21 through 24. Paul writes this, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. And all the men said, Oh, you almost get, they say nothing because their wives are sitting next to them. No. And they say nothing. Yeah. So when I read that, we're talking about partnership and teammates, but that doesn't to me sound like a partnership in the terms of what we were just describing. Right. So where's the disconnect? What is Paul? What do you think Paul is trying to get at here? I like Paul. Yeah. I like Paul's heart, and I like mm. that. Paul is speaking of something that God created, God yeah. designed, right? And so in a perfect, in a biblical marriage uh, where God um, is in the midst of it, a woman gets to honor her husband by choosing to yield to his leading. And that doesn't mean that there's a lack of opinion or personality or um, you know, working together as a team, um, that the man is, um, making a woman, you know, be submissive or anything like that. This is a, a willingness. It's a heart condition of a wife to say, I want to allow my husband to lead and I'm instilling trust in him and I'm showing him respect by ultimately, um, letting him lead and fill in that role. And as I do that, he will step more and more into that role as my husband. Yeah, and I think I think what you're describing, I would just I would describe it this way, and that is good leadership earns submission. Uh -huh. And it's true in a marriage, and I'll, I'll talk about it in a second. But it's true in almost any scenario. So at your job, 
if your if your boss or your manager is a good leader, you will you will choose to submit to their leadership. You're not going to try to buck the system. You're not going to question every decision because they've earned that submission. Even we use the example of a team. A team is the same way. When your coach or your manager is a good leader, you're going to trust that this game plan is going to work. I'm not. If they say, hey, we're going to run this play in this situation, and you're in the game in that situation, you're going to run that play. You're not, I don't know, we're going to do our own thing, guys. We're going to huddle up after we huddle with the coach and do this now. It's like, no, if, if the leadership is there and you hear it in a negative way with the team, well, the coach lost the locker room, so the coach was fired. The team quit on him. That's a sign of poor leadership. He hasn't earned that submission from the team. Uh, it's even the same with, you know, with parenting and kids. As parents, when we are at our best, our kids, they're not going to submit completely, right? If they do, if your kids submit completely, please talk to me after we're done here. I'd love to, I'd love to talk to you. Um, but usually, the, the more that we're in tune even with our kids, the better that we lead them, um, the more consistent we are in parenting, the more submission there tends to be. There are outliers in every situation, but that, that tends to be the case. So, Again, good leadership earns that submission or trust is a better, maybe a different word for that. So let me ask this other question, and then we'll, we'll talk about one more aspect of partnership uh, and then get to the last one. But so we, if, if good leadership earns that submission, if a husband is to lead well, then what are wives to do when their husbands aren't, don't lead well, when they just totally shirk their responsibility, um, when maybe it's an abusive situation. He's not leading well. Uh, when he's absent in every way, he's not leading well. What is she le- left to do with this submission piece in that? Yeah, well, I, I certainly, I mean, that's tough. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I think it's important that we address that because when you hear the word submission, that is what people immediately go to. And, and that is in no way uh, what God is talking about at all. That is a complete absence of leadership, and um, it's an abuse of position and a misunderstanding of, of what a, the man is created to be. Um, because in loving your wife, like Christ loves the church, right? In love, um, that his leadership should come from a place of love. And if that isn't happening, if there is not healthy leadership in your home from 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 the man, from the husband in the relationship, then um, I think a woman needs to pray for her husband um, and and continue to give him opportunities. And I think when when the woman in her heart, um, when it's coming from a place of love, talking openly with her husband is important. I don't think. A man is expected, you know, it's like we get married and then, oh, there you go. You better lead well. You better get it perfect, right? That's not what it's about. I mean, it's going to take a lifetime. So that's also a journey. That's a, there's a growth period there where, you know, you got to kind of get into your sweet spot. And, and so I certainly do not expect you to be perfect. I, ex- I certainly don't expect... Amen. You to never ask for my help. I mean, with this being in the right perspective, I mean, there's got to be patience and love. If there is love, then, and the right kind, the kind that God is involved with, then um, that just takes time. 
Sure. It takes time. It takes trust. Uh, it also takes the husband time to trust the wife to maybe, maybe step into that. Maybe they don't feel like they can step into that role because maybe the wife has something she needs to work on. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm a little overpowering and I need to kind of step back and so that I can allow that. You know, I think people know I'm not um, a quiet person who doesn't have an opinion or thoughts about things. I certainly wasn't forced to sit here today. You know, that kind of thing. And they all laugh because it's so true. I mean, I am me. And you love me for who I am. And you don't want me to be something else. And I mean, it's taken me forever to feel comfortable in my role. Um, and myself, right? But that's why I want my husband to feel comfortable in himself and to speak to the great things he is doing and allow him to just keep building on that. And as he learns himself, you know? Yeah. Yourself, because you're my husband. Myself. Yes. That's good. Um, and let me give you a biblical example here of what can happen when this partnership breaks down, okay? So... Genesis 2, Adam or Adam is made, and then God makes Eve from him to be his helper to complete this partnership. Things are going great for a while, and then everything falls apart because this partnership, this communication breaks down. So we know in Genesis 3, the serpent comes to Eve in the garden. God has said, you can eat from any tree in the garden except for this one, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, if you eat from that tree, you will die. And so the serpent comes and says, hey, Eve, you see this tree here? And she's like, oh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And he says, yeah, eat that fruit. Doesn't it look great? And so here's what happens. Verse 6, Genesis 3, 6. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So this is an example of where Adam did not lead well. There are several times in this occasion, in this account, where Adam has an opportunity to lead well, and he botches every one of them. So first, it says he's with her, so he's at least within earshot to see what's going on with the serpent and his wife. At that moment, he should have stepped in and said, hey, you know, I'm here too. Let's, I'm going to be part of this conversation. He should have protected his wife. Now, it's not about controlling her or being overbearing or I'm in charge and I make the decisions. That's not the heart that would have worked here. His thing was, I'm going to protect my wife who's in a vulnerable situation in this moment. He didn't do that. And so then when she decides to eat, she's going to eat this fruit, he could have stepped in and been like, uh, you know, like knock it out of her hand. Like we're not doing that again, not out of a place of control or manipulation or whatever, but out of, Hey, this is not good. It's okay to have those conversations with your spouse. I don't think that you should say that to this person at work tomorrow, even though you really want to. Like, I don't think that you should tell your boss off tomorrow, even though maybe you have a right to. I don't know if that was the right thing. It's, it's okay to have those. It's, it's a protective measure. It's a healthy thing to do. Adam didn't do that. So then after he just lets this whole thing play out, he lets this whole mistake go through, he had an opportunity to take acknowledgement of what he allowed to happen. And he threw his wife under the bus when God, you know, discovers what's happened. He says, hey, Adam, what, what happened here? And Adam, he doesn't say, you know what? I, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention and I should have been, I should have been there and I dropped the ball and yeah, it's on me. 
He didn't. He said, this woman that you gave me ate of his fruit. Shame on you. Not a good, not a good statement here for Adam. And so this partnership broke down. Adam did not lead well, and it, it really has effect to this day. And so when, when again, your partnership is going to look different from ours and the, and the person sitting next to you and someone else in your family, the, the roles are not all going to look, it's not this clean cut two, you know, two column system. It's, and even if you have it figured out, eventually it's going to change. It's going to, you know, if, if I get a different job that requires more hours, it's going to mean that she's going to have to pick up the slack. If, if, as kids come into play, it's going to maybe change some of those. So those things are, are accurate, um, but it's that partnership, that communication has to stay open, and the, the leadership and the submission has to kind of flow and work yeah. together. And if the breakdown happens, bad things sort of ensue from that. Oh, yeah, and I think, too, I mean, I definitely have a good um, analogy for this or story, I guess, more so, Um but just like, you know, the man, kind of going back to your last point real quick, just like the man might need time to learn and grow in his role, the woman does as well. And I think um, when we felt called, well, I should say when you felt called to church plant, when we were in Texas and we had been there about six years, um, and Stephen came to me and said, hey, I think that we're supposed to church plant. And I said, no. We're not supposed to church plant. We have little kids, really little kids, one-year-old little girl and what, four, almost four-year-old little boy. We're, no, we, I don't think so. You know, we're taking care of here. We're just fine. And I'm like, I think you should go apply for some other positions. Obviously, I was on the same page that change was supposed to happen. But what that looked like, I, I said, you know, why don't you look for some positions to apply for? You're a youth pastor now, but maybe an associate or a lead pastor position. And and so we had kind of this crossroads, and, and Stephen lovingly did a couple of those things that I suggested. Um, he did that out of respect to me, and um, every door closed, every door closed, every door closed. And he said, you know, honey, I really feel like this is, I'm, I'm feeling more and more like this is what we're supposed to do. And he said, I just need you to pray with me about that. And so I said, okay, I will with you and obviously we're here today so that kind of sums up for you but if I would have gone to Stephen and said no we are not going to church plant I am not going to do that if you're going to do that you go on your own you have to apply for other positions until you get one I'm not going to plant a church that's not what I want to do I don't feel called to that I'm sorry if he would yield to that and say or maybe just completely give up what God had spoken to him because he could have he could have said, okay, I'm just going to go this route. I'm just going to please her. You know, I'm going to do what she's saying. And that would not be what was best. That would not be you leading, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that would be you yielding to me and, and me being in the wrong for not respecting you enough to pray about this. And um, God confirmed to me what we were supposed to do. And he trusted enough in what God was speaking to him that God would speak it to me at the right time. And that is what happened. But had we not been willing to yield to, to our positions, our roles in, in our relationship and our marriage by keeping God at the focus and looking to him in that moment of, I guess, confusion or not understanding one another, it, it could have gone completely different. Yeah. So that's an example then of how partnership can work well 
when it's when it's done yeah. as as well as it can be done, I guess. Not perfectly, but as well as it can be done. Yeah. So romance is important in the meaning of marriage partnership. And then here's the last thing we'll just spend a few minutes on. And it's the hardest one, uh, but we're going to end with this one. And this is the idea of sacrifice. The third part of the meaning of marriage involves sacrifice. So we already talked about Ephesians 5, the beginning there, about the wives submit. Well, the husband, they have a lot more to do here, like a whole card worth here. So read a lengthy passage, and then we'll get to it for a couple minutes here. Ephesians 5, 25 through 33 says, for husbands, this means you love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And here's how much he loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, this is what we read in, in Genesis 2, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So sacrifice in a marriage. And let's tie this back to Genesis uh, 2 here. So in Genesis 2, before Eve is created, Adam basically is telling God, hey, I would give anything for a soulmate. And God's like, it'll cost you an arm and a leg. And Adam says, what can I get for a rib? I just had to try it. So there was sacrifice there. I mean, he gave a rib. And, you know, I don't, give my, I don't share my ribs with anybody. Can we go out to dinner? They're my ribs. I'm not sharing those things, no. So uh, Paul describes a bit of sacrifice here. So let's flesh it out just for a few minutes as we close. What does biblical sacrifice look like in a marriage? Maybe I'll frame it this way. When you enter marriage, what are you sacrificing to enter into that relationship? It's pretty practical. It's a scary four-letter word. Okay. Self. Hmm. Giving up oneself, really. Okay. And I might just add, like, when I'm entering into marriage, when I, I was, am happy to do that. Like, that is, like, you have to recognize before going into that, like, okay, I've got to, I've, I've got to give up a lot of my selfishness because it's not just me anymore. Right. You know, I have someone else. Up, yeah, you're, you're, you're still your own person. Yes. With your own emotions and thoughts. I can make my own decisions. So, I mean, I would maybe phrase it. Um, not to not to correct no, you. No, it's fine. Go I ahead. would maybe phrase that you're you're giving up, you're sacrificing your independence yeah. to enter into marriage. Yeah. Now, autonomy is different. I don't want to get yeah. too nerdy on getting in dictionary terms, but autonomy means I'm still my own person. I'm in, but I'm not independent anymore. I'm choosing to be not codependent because we know that can be a mess too, right? Yes. But interdependent is what we're yeah. looking for. So I'm not independent, but I'm now interdependent. And like you said, I'm choosing i'm making this decision willfully to sacrifice my independence for the sake of this interdependence so yeah well and when that is done well you learn so much about yourself as a person i'm a a huge amount i was just telling a friend the other day like 30s has been awesome i feel like i am the best version of myself at this point in my life um still a mess a lot of times but you learn things um, and so, yeah, 
giving up those selfish things. So I guess selfishness is that 11 letters. It's maybe an 11 letter word instead mm -hmm. of a four letter word that just sounded better. Yeah. But you're giving up your selfishness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it feels good to do that and put, puts others before yourself yeah. and your spouse. What can make them so happy, you know, and help them to know I love them so much. Yeah. And if that means me giving up something, um, like, I don't know, time or whatever, there's so many different things you can give up, then it's 100% worth it. And then I feel fulfilled by sacrificing to yeah. someone so that they feel loved and important and um, cherished by me. Yeah. And a couple of things I have to go, it kind of goes under that. I think the independence is the main thing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's um, you remember, and this is a weird analogy. I don't even have, it just came to me. You remember the song Ben by Michael Jackson? It's about a rat or a, piz, a pet mouse. It's really, it's a really weird song. You want to sing think, it? When you think, no, I did sing it at a friend's wedding when I was like in middle school. We changed some words. Um, no, just look it up. But there's a, there's a term in that song where it says, I used to say I and me, now it's us, now it's we. Aww. That's a great d description of, of marriage, right? So I, I still am me, I'm, I'm my own person, but now it's, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking in terms of us and, and we. So a couple things quickly with that. One thing that you sacrifice in marriage is your singleness. Yeah. And that might sound obvious, but I mean, you know, why do, why, do, why do a lot of marriages fail? Because I have not really given up my singleness because I'm googly-eyeing my neighbor over there. You know, I'm thinking, man, I wish that my wife would treat me the way my, this pretty coworker treats me. I wish that she'd sweet-talk me like she does at the office, right? I've given that up. I can't go there anymore because I've sacrificed my singleness. It's us and we, not like me and anybody else that, you know, tickles my fancy this week. Right. So it's how we think about other people, other relationships. I'm sacrificing a lot of that willfully, but it's an important distinction to make. Another thing with, with sacrifice is our time. Like you, you mentioned that. But that can mean a lot of different things. So I may have, I may, when I was single, I've had a hobby that took up 40 hours a week. Probably can't do that in a marriage if I want to stay married very long, no. okay? Maybe I have a hobby that's really expensive, and we're just like, she's like, we just don't have the budget for that. I'm going to have to sacrifice some of that time I would spend on other things for the sake of the relationship that I've entered into of my own will. Like you your know? sock collection is just getting so expensive, we just can't yeah. do it anymore. Polka dot socks on. Or your book so. collection is just mm -hmm. taking yeah. up too much space. That's why I have None a Kindle. None of those things are true, but... She can't use that as an excuse he anymore because I have a Kindle. So yeah, that's true. It takes up this much room. <laughs> he loves socks and books. Yeah, a socks lot. and books. And me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are things that we... That we yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, kids, that's a whole different thing, too. Um, so, again, sacrifice is essential in a godly marriage, in a healthy uh, marriage, because, as Paul says, the point of this relationship is to point to this relationship, yeah. okay? And, and so as important as marriage is in a, in a physical sense, in a literal sense, the real meaning of marriage here, as we get back down to the core of what we're talking about, is to point to Christ in the church. So the better that I love her, the more I'm showing a proper relationship to Christ and the church, and the easier it is to explain to people how that works, how the relationship that I can't see and it's hard to explain, if I can, I can live this out and it points to that one. Yeah. So that's the real meaning of marriage that gets to the heart of, I think, why God instituted this in Genesis 2 and 3, or Genesis 2, I guess, is to then point, get all the way to Ephesians 5. Mm 
I did this at the very beginning to get to this. So yes, you're going to enjoy this relationship and you're going to work at it and it's going to be fruitful and amazing and wonderful and you're going to experience so much, but it's to point to a different relationship altogether to get to the, the meaning of marriage. And so as we put these three things together, here's kind of this phrase to put all these together. The goal of marriage is a romantic partnership of mutual sacrifice. I put all these three things together. A biblical marriage is a romantic partnership of mutual sacrifice. That's what you're working toward in your relationship. That's what we're trying to do. As imperfect as we are, as I am, and then you add this imperfect, she's close, but as you add this imperfect person to this imperfect person, you've now, you know, to the second power, uh, id, that's not a term, uh, the imperfect nature of this, okay? But that's okay. We're working toward this goal that God had instituted from the very beginning to point to the ultimate relationship between Christ and the church. So as you work on your marriage, keep that in mind. As you think about your spouse, keep that in mind. I'm doing this, yes, for them, but also to point to Jesus. Our marriages should point to Christ, And so as we live the way that God intended it to be lived, as best we can, we do a better job of pointing people to Jesus even through our marriage. That's a pretty cool benefit, a pretty cool added benefit to our marriage of the true meaning of marriage.